0: Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from The Overlook, located in Atascocita, Texas, here is Pastor Anderson with today's message. We're going to look at verses 4 through 13. I want to read them for your hearing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to men or to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus and paul starts to wrap this thing up he says finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely Whatever is of good report or repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, my Bible says dwell, King James says think on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Now, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Contextually, listen to the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has nothing to do with running a hundred yard dash, lifting 225. Keep verses in context. What determines the interpretation of a text? What comes before and what comes after? Context. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. This morning, I want to teach from this subject, experiencing joy by guarding your attitude. Experiencing joy by guarding your attitude. I love this quote by Charles Swindoll. He says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than success than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearances, giftedness, or skill. It would make or break a company, a church, a marriage, or a home. The remarkable thing is we all have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Because it's a choice. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have and that's our attitude. Swindoll says, I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. Why? Because attitude is everything. So here's my question to you this morning How was your attitude this week? How was your attitude when you woke up? How was your attitude on the way to church? Couples, how's your attitude? Because the way that you speak to your mate will set the tone. And the temperature for their attitude that day so write these four words down joy is a choice joy is a choice and you need to understand that today 72 percent of christians leave church with no joy they hear the teaching they worship they in praise dance ministry they're doing all this great stuff, but they leave and 72% of Christians walk away from Bible teaching churches without joy. And we have to understand that joy is a choice. You choose to have joy, and you choose who you allow to steal your joy from you. So how's your attitude? So Friday morning, I met with my pastor. I just love meeting with him. March will be 40 years of ministry. He's seen it all, 40 years. So I said, Pastor, how did you get through your rough times? He said, that's easy. I kept my joy. That's too easy, Pastor, that's too simple. I need something deep, because y'all know we always want something deep. Pastor, how did you, son, listen to me. I kept my joy. He says, 42 years. When I was selected to lead the church, we had 30 members, Anderson. We were raising $70 a week, and they voted to give me 75. And I said, how are you guys gonna give me 70, and you're only raising, how are you gonna give me 75, but you're only raising 70 a week. That just doesn't make sense to me. He said, so we started with 30 members. 40 years later, yeah, we have 1,000 on the roll, but not all 1,000 are there every Sunday but I don't let that steal my joy. He said, son, I've seen members come, and I've seen members go. It doesn't rob me of my joy. Son, I buried my son. It didn't steal my joy. Son, I was preaching, and my dad got cancer, and I would have to get on a plane after every Sunday of preaching, fly to L.A., take care of my dad for the week, pastor the church, get back on the plane, and come back for six months, and my dad died. And the deacons didn't even want me to go see my dad. And they raised fuss in the church because I wanted to go see my dad. But son, I did not allow that to steal my joy. I officiated many sermons. I buried many people in 40 years. I've married many people. I've been lied on. I've been talked about. Man, people have twisted my words. And some stuff I just blatantly said, and I know better now that I'm 75. But man, don't lose your joy, son. Churches are closing. Pastors are leaving ministry. But son, don't lose your joy. Because at the end of the day, and you know, pastor will say this, at the end of every sermon, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. How's your joy this morning? Are you allowing people, things, and circumstances To steal your joy. You can't change people. We're going to find out in this lesson, circumstances are up and down, and things will break down and give out, and you got to replace them. How's your attitude this morning? Philippians, the entire book, is a book on joy. And when you are feeling down, this is the book that you need to run to, because Paul, big theme in this book, is about Joy. Four chapters, joy. 104 verses, joy. 16 times he uses the word joy or rejoice. It's about joy. And he wants the church at Philippi to understand, I am in this dingy, cold, Roman jail, but the jail will never rob me of my joy. I'm in jail because I preach the gospel, but I still have joy. I hadn't seen this church in 10 years. I'm 800 miles away from this church. I'm headed to Nero's chopping block. I'm about to die, but I still have joy. All this stuff is happening to me, but I still have joy. So he writes to tell them in this particular chapter that you have to guard your attitude because your attitude, not your wife's attitude, not your children's attitude, your attitude will rob you of your own joy. Add this to your list. You have to manage your personal thoughts and your attitudes. You do. It's not God's job. God is not gonna come out of heaven and manage your thoughts, and manage your attitude, he's giving you the responsibility to manage how you respond, to manage the thoughts that goes into your mind, the words that are coming out your mouth, it is your responsibility. So Paul is in prison, and this morning, whatever your prison happens to be, you have to remember that God is with you, even in your prison. God is right there, I'm in prison, Maybe it's not in jail, but he's with me. He's with me even in prison. He knows that the bills are due at the end of the month, and maybe I don't have enough money. He's aware that I have this doctor report, and I may have to stay on medication. My pastor said, man, I would have these guys that were faith healers and I would have these guys that would come by and tell me that I had ulcers on my leg and God never healed me because I didn't have enough faith and he said man I'm pastoring and I'm laboring and I'm trusting God and you have the audacity to tell me that God won't heal me because I don't have enough faith he said no I had faith but God allowed me to stay in that prison and he healed me 30 years later because he had to get and he healed me God knows that how is your attitude in your prison maybe you're carrying the weight of being a caretaker that's your prison how is your attitude how are you treating people when they may not treat you the way you need to be treated today we're cutting this is not one of woo, messages how is your attitude Far too often we try to manipulate people. We want to manipulate them, we want to control them. God has never called you to manipulate anybody or control anybody. He called you to be you. He doesn't control us. So what makes you think you need to control people? And many times when we can't control our children, and we can't control our spouses, and we definitely can't control our co-workers, that messes with our attitude. But you shouldn't be in the controlling business that's his job your job is to monitor how you respond to what they say maybe they may say something that gets on your last nerve but how do you respond with your attitude pastor blew it Sunday pastor blew it this morning so before it gets to you God has to cut me so Paul says this let's look at a few verses Philippians 4 and 4 rejoice in the Lord always again i will say rejoice so when the bible was written let's go to school the bible was never written with quotation marks verses chapters punctuation one free-flowing bible and as you read it sometimes you have to read it that way but then in the days of king james they went in and put in punctuation they divided chapters so i honor that So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice at the end, exclamation point. It means to rejoice, to be excited. And Paul writes it twice. And anytime you see anything in the Bible repeated, he's placing emphasis on that. He's telling you to rejoice. This is a man that's in prison. He's being guarded by the Roman elite guard, the same guards that would guard Caesar. The same personal bodyguards that would watch over Caesar, Caesar puts those bodyguards and attaches them to Paul. And Paul still says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. When he says rejoice, what he's saying is you need to acknowledge that God is in control. And when you acknowledge that God is in control, you don't have a problem rejoicing. And when you acknowledge that God is in control, you move from acknowledging to asking God for his help. And we do a poor job of asking God to help us in crisis, to help us in heartaches, to help us in disagreements, to help us in our pain. And God is saying, after you rejoice, put it in my hand and ask me to help you. And when you ask me, leave it in my hands. But here's what we do. We give it to God. God, I need you to take it. Well, hold, hold on, God. I'm gonna take that right back. Wait, 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 God. I need you to help me. Two days? No, I'm gonna take it right back. Well, now, God, my child is in trouble. But now, I got it, God. I can control it. And and you say, see what you just did? I think every now and then do it again. I think God just wanted to say, No, I got it. But since you know more than me, I'm gonna give it back to you. God is saying, Rejoice. Be glad. He's not saying don't live a carefree life. But what he is saying is whatever you go through, put it in my hands, leave it there. Trust me that I am in control and celebrate the fact that I am in control. And whatever problems you're going through, I know how to take care of it. Oh, this verse right here chewed me up this morning. I couldn't go to sleep, so I got up. Because I'm a guy, I love word searches. Because the Bible is written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And if you got to understand a word, you got to research the original meaning of the word in its original context. So watch this. Verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Underline gentle spirit. Gentle spirit in the Greek means this. (sighs) There's just sometimes you need to let the Lord fight the battle. That's having a gentle spirit. He says it's not up to you to take revenge. That's a gentle spirit. It's for me to do that. So while you're facing your problem, stop trying to get revenge on people. Have a gentle spirit. Rejoice. Put it in my hand. Let me do what I want to do. You just understand it's my business to take care of my business. But you want to make my business? your business your child belongs to me your mate belongs to me your mother or mother-in-law belongs to me put them in my hand and let me take care of my child the way i see fit of taking care of my child have a gentle spirit and stop taking revenge on people that's the word in greek a gentle spirit because here's what god knows when you don't have a gentle spirit It causes anxieties and stress. We have enough of that going on right now. So he moves from that in verse four, six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, can we break that down real quick? I underline in my Bible be anxious for nothing. That means don't have any undue anxieties any worries about anything you're going through but he says but in everything by prayer that's the problem that's why our attitude can I say this is stinks sometimes it's bad it's because we don't pray and we don't place it in God's hands Because we want to be in control and we want to manipulate the situation and we want the situation to add up like we want to. There are times God doesn't want it to add up like you want to because he has to teach you and he has to grow you up and he has to mature you and he has to build you so he can't allow it to work out like you want to. It has to be in his time. So stop trying to manipulate people. Stop trying to manipulate your spouse. Put your spouse in God's hand and let your spouse grow by God's Timing. be anxious for nothing this is a command it's not an option he says by everything prayer so Brandon I think I put that up here you got two choices you can be anxious or you can pray that's your choices this morning man God is so simple that's your choice you can be worried filled with anxiety that your son is not doing what you want him to do You can be worried or you can pray what's your options and what are you choosing when you leave here because god is concerned about every area of your life your marriage he's concerned about it your singleness he's concerned about it you being a father he's concerned about it yesterday at the dad's conference we had all these dads in here you know the biggest problem with most dads is that they're chasing their careers. And they're chasing and pursuing this stuff, but they're forgetting about the family. And I can't tell you how many dads, after I got through talking about praying for your kids, spending time with your kids, engaging your kids, like man after man after man at the conference came and thank you, pastor, thank you, I need that, because I'm chasing a dollar, I want to build a career, I want to retire one day, when I get home, I want to disengage. Brother, you got to re-engage. Your kids need you maybe that's why we have a generation that's beating up teachers because the dad is absent mama y'all doing a heck of a job but dads we are nowhere around because we think it's money that's gonna make our family listen money comes and goes but you got one shot with your kids and they're gone and whether it's a blended daughter From a blended family, a biological daughter like Erin, it doesn't matter, I got one shot with my daughter. That's it, I got one shot and she's gone. One shot. So Paul says, here's your choices. You can be worried or you can pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I'm gonna deal with that verse. Cut the sermon in half. And give you the rest next time. Supplication. Here's what supplication means, requesting an answer to a specific need. That's supplication. Sometimes we're just praying too general. God said, man, be specific in your prayers. Ask me for what you want. Be very specific. Thanksgiving. Here's why he says Thanksgiving. Because if you learn how to thank God, you'll, less do, you'll do less whining and complaining and grumbling. Because you understand that you have a faithful God who is worthy to be praised and you're giving him your specific request and you are thanking him in advance for however he chooses to deal with your marriage, your mate, your brother, your father, your co-worker. It's his job. But you need to be very specific. And then it says, with thanksgiving, let your requests." So that speaks of a definite specific prayer. Watch this. God, I got these requests. I got debt and I lack the finances. Would you provide and help me discipline my spending habits to get out of debt. God, I have pressure on my job and I'm worried about my child, but they put down your child. What are you exactly worried about? Figure it out and be specific and you move it from the worry jar to the prayer jar. And that's the problem, we keep it in the worry jar and we never move it to the prayer jar. And sometimes when you move it to the prayer, George, this is what I found in my life. I'll go back six months later, man, I was worried about that, man, God took care of that. Oh, I was worried about that, oh man, God took care of that. Man, I was worried about this, this never happened. Why? Because we build up stuff in our mind that may never happen and we worry ourselves to death and God is saying, stop worrying and start praying and give it to me. Things are out of control. I need you blessed relationships. What kind of relationships? Where in your relationships? God is saying, be very specific. Well, God, I need more money. Look at this practice. These are needs. I need more money. Here's money. Don't you come rob me of my $4. We need more money, okay? What do you mean more money? And if God gives you more money, what are you going to do with the more money that he gives you? And that's the problem. We worry, and we don't have a plan. Because if God made some of us a millionaire, we'll lose our mind. We don't have a plan. So in closing, here's what I've done. I'm type A. I'm very driven. I'm so driven, I have to admit to myself, I have problems resting. So I've started praying, God, give me rest at night. I was sick this week. I felt guilty for taking two days off. Any man like that? That you? Thank you. Thank you for being. Thank you for being honest. I felt guilty that I had to stay home because I'm driven. But God says, "Listen, if you just relax, I'll get more done when you relax than you working, because you're trusting me in prayer." God, give me rest tonight. Specific. God, we want to take a vacation. My wife wants to go to Toronto. I want to go to San Diego. I want to drive from San Diego up to San Francisco. Bring us to one common goal. And once we get there, Christ, what I'm asking is that now we want to eliminate the last few credit cards and the last little bit of debt we have. Because, God, I'm praying to God like this, I'm being specific. Because Aaron's about to be 16. And we hadn't had a car note, at least me, for five years. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm trying to be as basic as possible. But we got to give Aaron Cheryl's car to use, not to own. That means my wife has to get another car. God, would you help us be disciplined, watch this, to live on a budget for the next six months that we can accomplish specific goals, and specific purpose. Y'all see how I'm praying? Be specific in what you're asking God for. Define it, and then trust God. Don't worry about it. God, I'm praying for my son. Okay, great, you're praying for him. What do you want me to do? What are you asking me for? God, I need a mate. If I give you a husband, what you gonna do with him? Are you ready for him? Have you prepared yourself? Because being married is not easy. So here's how I want to close. I want to challenge every man in here. And those of you who are married, take this home to your husband. Stop being so worried about money. Stop being driven by success. Slow down. Spend time with your family. Rest in Jesus. And if you're worrying, take every worry and put it in the prayer jar. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Here's my everything, God. God, I can't take care of my parents. You can. Thank you. I don't have the money, but you have it. God, I need a home health care provider for my mom. I'm not going to worry about it. He's provided six days a week, five hours a day. I had to get to the point where I didn't worry about it. How's your attitude? So can I close with this? The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, is more important than success, than what people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearances, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a marriage, or a home. The remarkable thing is we all have a choice. Every day regarding our attitude, we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in certain ways. We can't change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on one string that we have, and that's your attitude. Because I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. How's your attitude this morning? Father, we thank you for the words of Paul. For the last six weeks, we've been looking at maintaining joy. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.